Hello and welcome back to the Bradford Hate Crime Alliance's new podcast, A Series of Difficult Conversations. Today we return to our conversation with Siosa Tweeddale. In part two, Siosa continues to raise our awareness of the difficulties that the trans community continue to face in today's society. Here's Siosa. Remember once you talked about, and this is something that truly shocked me and really opened my eyes to, the severity of the, the situation surrounding the trans community in the UK. Mm. I think quite often we can see things or you might hear about something and think, oh, you know, if it's specifically if it's happening abroad, isn't that awful? And, you know, thank goodness we're a more tolerant society, for want of a better word. I'm not a fan of the word tolerant. Mm. Um, I'd rather prefer accepting. Yes. Um, but there is a myth that Britain is a very accepting society. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that that's true. Uh, and you spoke about the seven stages, forgive me if I've got that wrong, the seven stages of genocide. It's how you put, yeah. Is it eight, excuse yeah. me. And you, was, um, and you evidenced mm. seven of them, I believe, mm. in the UK. That's this right. is not in another country. This is not about third world. It's not about Eastern Europe or uh, under a regime, mm. for want of, again, another better word of it. Um this is here in the UK. That's right. Spell it out for our, for our listeners, please, about how, how is that happening and where how have we got to a place where we are seven steps down an eight-step process that's called genocide? Yeah. I did. I, yeah, I did. I gave a public talk to an employer who, I, because I don't want any pylon, I won't nail name. And that's sad in itself that I can't. But I, I was talking about the eight stages of genocide, the classical eight stages of genocide. Stage seven, just for the listeners, is the actual genocide. Stage eight is the denial phase. It wasn't me. I, I, was, I was just following orders, that mm. classic phrase. So you might be shocked to hear me say, well, we've reached stage seven. No, 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 not in the, in the UK. People aren't being killed. We tend to think of genocide in terms of the Holocaust or Rwanda or or the killing fields, violence with weapons and guns and concentration camps. That isn't the full definition of genocide. If you look at the 1948 uh, Convention on Genocide, point C, it talks about the restriction of a community's life and well-being such that they can no longer survive. Like, we talk about the genocide of the Ouija in China because they're being re-educated uh, in special schools. Now, we call that the genocide of the Ouija in China. But trans children are being denied support in schools. They're being denied health care. There's a seven-year waiting list in some gender identity clinics for a first appointment for a trans person. There's arguments that we shouldn't be allowed to use toilets, we shouldn't be allowed to use single-sex facilities. Um, all these are about suppressing trans people. There are groups that have issued declarations, and these are mainstream groups calling for the limitation of trans people, that the fewer trans people there are, the better. Or they call being trans transgenderism and then call for the elimination of transgenderism. These are British groups saying this. 
and it's been repeated in the press they're trying to reduce and make the uh, the number of trans people and make being trans so unbearable and difficult that trans people will cease to exist well we won't cease to exist we'll go back undercover again we'll go into hiding again calls for the toilet debate for example just to give you one example that people don't really think about now i'm post-operative trans woman according to some of these groups i'm a safe trans woman i should be able to use those yes exactly safe <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what constitutes so safe raise an eyebrow the, uh, <laughs> exactly that word that very phrase but how do you police that the only way you can police any system like that, and there have been calls, again, printed in the mainstream press, that trans people, and only trans people, should carry ID cards or some form of ID that says that they're allowed to use single-sex facilities. What next? Are we going to start sewing pink triangles onto us clothing so people can identify you safe? These these ideas are dangerous and just because we see ourselves as an open democratic society that doesn't mean to say we can't fall into fascism fari black said it in the houses of parliament we've got to start talking about the f word mm. because democracy is undermined by when these arguments about any community become normalized they become talking points they're debated on television yeah. should trans people be allowed health care can you picture that being said about a racial minority or disabled people or whoever no thankfully no but it's it, the, it is debated about trans yeah, people the dehumanization it is absolutely of, of people to the point where people then can't go on tv as you say and and and, and with a completely straight face start talking about human beings in a way that's so far removed and so mm. emotionally detached yeah. from them that, that, that we end up in a situation like this and again sleepwalking into a disaster a very dangerous situation yes and and i mentioned the pace the parliamentary assembly for the council of europe that motion mm. on on may 24 uh, january 24th i think Brit the british public really need to wake up that was the council of europe and it listed five countries where they saw vitriolic that was the word in the motion anti-lgbt it was russia hungary poland turkey and the United Kingdom. So when as the British public we look at the television and we see like gay free zones in these countries or the, the attacks on LGBT rights in That's Russia, it. for example, yeah. and we say how shockingly bad it is. It's happening here. Bear in mind, Britain was one of those countries mm -hmm. that was listed with those four. And just to make it crystal clear, the British delegates to the Council of Europe moved an amendment to add the words and the United Kingdom removed from the motion. That amendment fell by 60 votes to 23 with eight abstentions, i.e. three quarters of the membership of the Council of Europe agreed that the situation in the UK is comparable to Russia, Hungary, Poland and Turkey on LGBT rights. And in the case of the UK, it's specifically named trans rights.
They're talking now with the, the, the threat to the Human Rights Act of removing some of the rights that trans people have, and we don't have that many to start no. off with. But they're talking about, within the UK, removing our rights. They're already trying to introduce into bills through Parliament that trans people, even with a gender recognition certificate like myself, shouldn't be allowed to go on women's wards in hospitals, shouldn't be sent to female prisons. Now, I'm female-bodied. If I were to commit a crime, I've got to go to a male prison. And the ramifications of that would be, I mean, it, it just doesn't even bear worth thinking about. Exactly. Really. But this has been normalised and people are saying, oh, yeah, that's right, because they're really men. No, no, we're not. And and there's no history of violence and sexual violence from the trans community no. towards the non-trans community. Um, the Scottish government that's moving ahead with the GRA reform they did a freedom of information request from the 18 national and regional bodies that administer uh, uh, domestic violence units and rape crisis centres asking two questions have you ever had an incident involving a trans person or and and have you ever had to exclude a trans person from your facilities of all the respondents that answered the freedom of information requests the answer to both those questions was no Unanimous, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so it, it the, these legitimate concerns that are being raised are not legitimate at all. But what's really interesting, and it it seems away from the genocidal model, but it's how these ideas and a particular stereotyping of trans women as really as men is the sports question. I'm the an ex-head of religious studies, head of games at a secondary school. I'm very interested in sports. I've worked with a number of sporting organisations, again, which I won't name because I don't want them attacked, developing trans-inclusive policies mm. within their sports. One thing they never talk about, like the FINA. They say uh, they... It's on my, uh, one of my questions to ask about that. Oh, right. Well, I've crept to it by myself. I <laughs> The FINA regulations, where they say they've looked at the scientific evidence, well, the trans community says, well, show us it, because if the scientific evidence, and, you know, we'll abide by it, but show us it, then we've yet to see this credible scientific evidence. However, one thing they never talk about when they talk about the scientific evidence we do have is that we know that within three months of start, no, sorry, four months of starting cross-sex hormone treatment, yeah. so a trans woman taking oestrogen, our haemoglobin levels drop to those of a cis woman. Now, you might think, yeah. Well, a lot of the arguments surrounding trans advantages in sports are about we only lose seven. We have seventy percent of the muscle mass. We have higher bone density. We've got a larger heart. We've got broader vessels, so yeah. we can go faster, etc. This is what you hear in the press. However, no matter how large your heart is, how big your veins are, and in fact, if you've got more muscle mass, you're at a bigger disadvantage if you've got lower hemoglobin levels. Why? Because your muscles get power from oxygen in the blood which is carried by hemoglobin right. if you've got more muscle mass being fed by the equivalent of the cis woman you're competing against 
You are going to tire more quickly. You are going to cramp up more quickly. You are going to slow down. Trans women have been able to compete at elite levels since 2004. We've had two trans women reach the Olympics. Mm. One came dead last and the other one came 37th out of 42. If we had such massive physical advantages, why aren't we cleaning up? Shouldn't that translate onto the medal table, exactly? Yeah. And it's not? We're not. The number of trans women in elite sports is vanishingly rare. And the the accusations against Leah Thomas, the the American swimmer, if you look at her pre-transition times, she was a world-class swimmer. Then they always quote 2019. That's when she was starting to introduce her, her, her hormonal treatment, mm. but still competing in the men's category. And she dropped out of the world category. She, her score, her, her times were, were poor. Then the following year, once she'd com- conformed to the requirements to compete against women, she went back up to being an elite female swimmer. But... Her times were on average 10 seconds slower. slower. And Katie Ledecky's times, who's a cis woman, mm-hmm. are far faster. Yeah. What you've got in Leah Thomas is a world-class swimmer. Yes, she's going to win races as a woman, as as, as a world-class swimmer should. As she but did she isn't the, Sorry? As she did pre-transition. As she did pre-transition. Because talent is talent. Because, yes, exactly. Talent is talent. Um, these, so the whole sporting agenda mm. is being perverted by false narratives. It? It, it really is, is weaponising. It is. Again, Nadine Doris has given the green light for all the other sporting, she literally said. Um, she expects other sporting um, organisations to follow suit and to mm-hmm. follow Fina's lead. Um, Tom Daly was very vocal uh, about Fina's um, ruling, took an awful lot of heat on social media mm. from women mm. uh, regarding that. And again, it's, 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 it's the misunderstanding that is causing all of this. Yeah. Misunderstanding, misrepresentation. Um, and this is what this is about. It's about myth-busting. It, it is. I mean, when you look at the British Sports Council guidance, I've done an in-depth analysis of mm. that. But when you consider that they said they consulted 26 nations about trans-inclusive policies, in 23% of the nations consulted, it's illegal to be LGBT. <laughs> So they're hardly going to give a positive reflection. (laughs) And it's these kind of things that are hiding the real agendas that are taking place here. They're not basing it on scientific evidence because, quite bluntly, there's very few studies on trans women in sports. It's always equivalent to male, cis male Mm. and cis female, and then it's extrapolated from that. But when they talk about safety... The trans community has been calling for the accident reports. In sport, if there's a sporting incident, it's recorded and analysed because safety is paramount. And we've said, okay, all you national bodies, show us the incident reports of injuries caused by trans women Mm. on cis women. We're still waiting. I think you've been waiting a long time. I think we'll be waiting a very long time, yes. And it's interesting that women's own governing bodies, for example, in rugby, which is one of the first to ban trans women at elite level, 
many of the women's rugby organisations have come out and said, we've no problem competing against uh, trans women. I mean, it's interesting. They always show certain trans women playing rugby. But I saw a photograph of New, New Zealand after the last Women's World Cup. And there was, I mean, anybody who plays rugby knows that it's for all shapes and sizes. Mm. Some are fast, small, some are very broad, some are very heavy if you're in the pack. And it was a second row New Zealand woman, Sisborne, under, I think, £230, I think it said, and she was holding their winger in her arms, who was diminutive next to her. Hundred hundred pounds weight difference, both cis women. But they both can play. A trans woman can't play. And then you look at bone density. Bone yeah. density first came up in the 1930s on a race issue. We know all about bone density and how that's used to try and exclude certain groups from sport. It's pure prejudice. Um, and, and it needs to be called out for what it is. Exactly it does. That. It needs to be named. The sporting bodies mm -hmm. are actually basing their exclusion of trans women on prejudice and nothing else exactly the it, it's not beyond the wit of these sports organizations to say look if you're at a certain stage you've got such and such an advantage you we, you need to be handicapped or you need to wait or you need a two-year on loan or whatever mm -hmm. the trans community has never said no we just want unrestricted access we've said show us the science so let's took the systems and we'll conform but they're not doing that they're going for blanket bans. They're saying trans women are really men. They're male-bodied. We need to exclude them from women's sports. Which ultimately is denying the existence of the trans community. It is. And it, and sport is one of the main social Absolutely. activities. It should be open to everybody. Correct. And they keep saying, well, we're going to, we'll set up a third sector where, where for, for, for uh, what's the phrase they use now? It, it's something. I can't remember the exact phrase, but an open to all mm. sector. What they really mean is trans women have got to compete against men. <laughs> That's what they really mean. Tra trans women have got to compete against men and trans men have got to compete against men because in all these debates, very rarely do they talk about trans men. No. You know, when they say you've got to use toilets of your birth sex. Okay, so trans men have got to use the women's toilets. No, 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 no. They, used to, they have to use the men's as well. Oh, <laughs> so it's not actually about women's safety. But then again, if trans men did use women's toilets, how are you going to tell a trans man from a cis man entering the toilets? Their whole systems, their whole ideologies, they don't work, but they are pure prejudice. Summing up, um, mm -hmm. and bringing it back to hate crime, really, this is yeah. about, for anybody that might be listening to this, uh, that may feel that they identify with the things that we've talked about, what would your message be to them? How how can they come forward? Because it's such a huge thing for people to, to, to do. It's so much easier to just shut the world away, mm. not tell anybody, suffer in silence. Uh, can often seem like the easier option at the time. And we recognise that. We recognise the confidence and the, the, the risks involved in people coming forward, but we know it's so important that people do mm. and that the support is there. What would your message be to those people that are they're out there, that they're suffering? Yeah, absolutely they are. I mean, we focus today on the hate crime, quite rightly, and the mm. rise in hate crime. But one thing I would say is alongside that, 
There's also a rise in understanding. Look at the Halifax with the pronoun badges, and when they got attacked, Absolutely. they turned around and said, well, we'd rather lose your mm-hmm. business. They stood by that policy on pronouns on their badges. They should be applauded for it. Absolutely. So did their parent group, mm. Lloyds, and said, no, we, we back that. Uh, and that's just one example. Mm. There are, there's a lot of support out there. There's a lot of support amongst politicians, and it's cross-party. I'm not making party political statement here. It's a cross-party. When anybody who watched the debate about the trans uh, inclusion in the ban on conversion therapy debate, there were people from across the political spectrum supporting trans inclusion in the ban on conversion therapy. It's not a party political issue, and there are lots of peers there's lots of politicians that actually support the trans community and i hope they'll stand and defend legally the trans rights and the attempts to remove those trans rights but that's the secret if we do give in if we do become invisible if if like for example i wasn't doing the work i was doing that message wouldn't be going out that's right and we have to be visible mm-hmm. we have to stand up and yes at the moment it's quite difficult but there's a huge community out there, and by huge community, I mean the LGBT plus community and our allies, as well as my DWP role. I'm also on the TUC's National LGBT mm. Plus Committee, and 30th of June, 1st of July was our conference in London, and the love shown to the trans community. There were the first half of the motions were all about defending trans rights, defending trans rights against far right attacks, producing publicity for the trade union movement about the far right involvement in the anti trans attacks, things like that. And the love in that room for the trans community, they were passed unanimously in most cases. I think one of them had one person vote against. That sense of community london pride very trans inclusive the estimate if you count the people watching and applauding a million people supporting leeds pride like last time there was a leeds pride forty thousand people Mm. and i was at the front of it so i saw the whole march coming in and it was there was trans banners all the way along it saying i love my trans girlfriend uh, 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 trans people are, are are real trans women are women trans men are men non-binary identities are valid yeah 40,000 march when you're by yourself and you're isolated and alone it's very easy to give in to the hate but there's a community out there and the wider community remember what i said about those surveys Every single survey of the British public shows support for the trans community. This is a media whipped up anti-trans campaign. Don't be fooled by the narrative. Exactly. And one one thing that's really nice is I, I firmly believe is that if you know somebody of any demographic, it's a lot harder to hate them. And what we're seeing is parents of trans children, partners of trans people, family of trans people coming out and saying, no, that that demonic image of a trans person, that's not my experience of trans people. They're just like everybody else. And so actually by standing up, just by being yourself and living your truth, you can counter this hate narrative. But... You're right. It right now it takes a brave person to do that. But all I would say is be that brave person. 
be yourself. Be that brave person, but just remember that we're here, we're listening, and we will support you. Correct. Please come forward, please get in touch. Um, you don't have to suffer in silence. Um, Siosa, thank you so much for your time today. It's uh, been a really informative, educational, um, inspiring conversation, actually, and I hope that people will take a lot away from this. So thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. you. One of the reasons to start this podcast was because we need to develop understanding and awareness of different communities. And Siosa does a fantastic job of raising awareness and understanding of the trans community. If you have any questions, any feedback, or you'd like to report a hate crime, don't forget you can contact us on 0800 169 1664. That's 0800 169 1664. We are listening. Alternatively, you can email us information at bradfordhatecrimealliance.org.uk. That's information at bradfordhatecrimealliance.org.uk. Until next time, take care.